You're welcome to teaching ministry of Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye or IKEA Christian Center Global. Get set to be at the fire. The word works. Sometimes people want to try to, when, they, when you quote um, Genesis, books between Genesis to Malachi, you have people say, oh, that's the Old Testament, right? And they say, oh, for Matthew is the New Testament. And there is a misunderstanding. Old Testament and New Testament is not based on books. Old Testament or New Testament is based on relationship. Hallelujah. The New Testament is salvation or righteousness by faith in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. That is what the New Testament is. Whether where it was a promise or where it was substance, that's New Testament. The Old Testament or the Old Covenant, all right, as explained to us in Hebrews chapter 8, 8 to 9, all right, was entered into by God with the nation of Israel. So the Old Covenant does not refer to the covenant between God and Abraham. No. The covenant between God and Abraham, where it was promised that um, those who believe, we receive the promise of the Spirit, all right, was not the old covenant. The old covenant was a covenant God entered with the nation of Israel, not with the man Abraham. Hallelujah. This distinction is made, all right, in Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 4. It is also made in Hebrews chapter 7, Hebrews chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 9. And if you read in the book of Exodus chapter number 19, 20, 21, 22, all right, and you read in the book of Deuteronomy, the entire books, you see that reiterated that many a times when the covenant is referenced to the nation of Israel, the covenant that is in reference after, the, uh, after Exodus chapter number 20 is the covenant that was entered, all right, between God and the nation of Israel to which Moses was mediator. Very important for us to understand what I'm telling you. Hallelujah. So the Old Testament books, all right, don't all, we're not, don't all actually have, are not all in the Old Testament. That's what I'm saying. So Genesis is not Old Testament. For example, Genesis, you don't have the law of Moses in Genesis. Glory to God. All right. You don't have the law of Moses until Exodus 20. When you have the Ten Commandments, then following that, you have the 320 laws. No, 620 laws that were given. So you must be able to properly, you know, divide that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In your study. If you are not able to properly dimension that in your study, your Bible study is going to have a lot of problems. Praise God. You can't just use a broad stroke and say, oh, it's Old Testament. No, it's not. Hallelujah. It's not. No, it's not. Now, in the Old Testament section of the Bible, you have things that are there or stories that are told that um, are what you call in literature a motif. Hallelujah. A motif. M-O-T-I-F. A motif is... A pattern which is repeated 
time and time again in a literary work, but is basically saying the same thing. Okay? It's a motif, is a pattern which is repeated time and time again in the course of a literary work, but it's just to emphasize the same thing. For example, I'll give you examples. For example, all right, Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of God's right hand is a motif in Scripture. And you see typologies of that all through Scripture. Amen. You see it with Joseph, who was raised from prison, hallelujah, and sits where? All right, at the right hand of Pharaoh. Same um, Joseph was favored amongst all the children of Jacob and given the coat of many colors, which means the right of the firstborn was given to Joseph, who was not the actual firstborn, showing you, praise God, that the one who is going to come as savior of the world is not the one that came first. He's not the one that came second. He's not the one that came third. He's not the one that comes from any sources you would expect. He's the one that God chose by himself. You see the same motif also. When Joseph brings his two children to be blessed by who? By Jacob. All right? Because that blessing was going to determine who was going to carry the blessing on Joseph after Joseph dies. Praise God. I said, praise God. All right? So Joseph brings his two sons there. Amen. The younger and the older. Now, the right hand, oh, we're going to look at it as we look through scripture. The right hand is the hand that should come on the first bond. Why the left hand is the hand that should come on what? On the what? On the younger. Jacob puts his hand on the younger, the right hand on the younger, and his left hand on the what? On the older. Signifying that the younger is the one that will step in the, into the office of what? Of the firstborn. So that's a motif. Because the first man, Adam, is not the one to whom dominion was given. It is the second man, Jesus Christ, that the dominion was what? Given. So the one that came after is the firstborn. The one that came first is not the firstborn. So you see those patterns, their motifs, repeated all through scripture. Israel coming out of Egypt is a motif because it speaks of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ where he's going to bring out mankind out of darkness into what? Into light. So when you see those things repeated in scripture, okay, you now begin to say, okay, this is what is being spoken of. This is what is being referred to. Hallelujah. And it now becomes very easy for us to understand what this God is trying to tell us. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Now, let's go to the scriptures I want us to see. Ephesians chapter number 2. And from verse 1. Can we read one to go? It says, And you, and you, and you, and you, had he quickened. Now, how many of you agree with me that, And you, had he quickened, does not sound like the beginning of the sentence. Praise God. Praise God. This is Ephesians 2. And verse 1, right? So let us back up to Ephesians chapter number 1 from verse 17. Then we read into Ephesians 2, 1 to 6, right? Can we read 1 to go? What does it say? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of what? Wisdom and knowledge in the revelation of him. 
The eyes of your understanding being what? So basically, he's praying for them to know knowledge, right? That he may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Continue. The greatness of his power to us, what who believe, according to what? The working of his mighty power, uh-huh, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him, what? From the dead and set him at his own, what? In where? Now, note something. There are certain things I want us to see here, all right, in this place. Notice certain ter- terms. Raised him up, raised, praise God, raised. So that means if he raised him, it means that he was in an inferior position. Hallelujah. Raised is a term used to talk about elevation. In fact, raised there is talking about resurrection. And resurrection means that he was dead. Then, then for him to have been raised means that he was made what? He was made what? Alive. But when he says, no, he says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised from the dead. So that means there was death, then there was resurrection. There was death and there was life. Two positions, two locations, death and what? Life. Jesus was raised from what? Death and brought into life. You will understand the implication of this when we get to Ephesians chapter number two. Because we now begin to understand identification. Because just as Jesus was raised from death and brought into life, we also, because we are identified in Christ, have also been raised what? From death and brought into life. Are you following this? Now, is that which you wrote in Christ? When he raised him from the dead and set him where? And set him where? Now, notice again, there is raised from death to life. That's number one. But there was something else that happened. The ascension. Everybody said the ascension. The ascension. So he was not just raised from death to life. He was raised into a position. And that position is called what? The right hand. The right hand in where? In the heavenly places. We are reviewing that today. Praise the Lord. Now, please understand that right hand is not right-hand side. Amen? Right hand is not right-hand side. So, right hand is not a geographical nor mathematical description. It is more of a metaphorical depiction of a position or of an office. Praise God. So, he said, which he the ground when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Heavenly places will come to that. Now, everybody read. He says what? Far above what? Uh-huh. And what? And what? And what? Dominion. And every name that is named, not only what? In this world and also in that which is to come. So, that means this Jesus is seated in a position far above all angels. Now, notice that principality and powers is... No, it's a terminology used not just to refer to angelic beings, but also demonic beings. The context in scripture will let you know. In this context, he's talking about every spirit being. Every one of them. So, Jesus is not just above angels. He's far above them. That is why when you look at the revelations, they all bow to him. They all worship him. Praise God. Because he's king of kings and what? Lords of lords. He is not their mate. He is not Pierre. This is God in flesh. That's who Jesus is. Praise God. 
I said, praise God. Uh-huh. Now, he said, and I put all things under his feet and gave him to be what? The head over what? All things to who? To who? So the purpose of Jesus dying, being buried, being raised from death to life, then ascending to sit at God's right hand was for who? Was for who? Was for who? Because before Jesus became flesh, he was who? God. In his pre incarnation Jesus is God. Hallelujah. He's the one that appeared to Moses. He's the one that appeared to Samuel. He is called the word of the Lord. Every time you see in scripture where it says, and the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, that's Jesus speaking. Praise God. That's Jesus speaking. In the Old Testament, the word of the Lord is called Dabar. In the New Testament, it's the Logos. Hallelujah. The Logos or the word of the Lord, John is telling us that that word is not just a voice. That word is a person. Hallelujah. It's a what? It's a person. Hallelujah. It's a person. A spirit being the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. So in 1 John 5, 7, he said there are three that bear witness. The Father, the Word, and what? The Spirit. And these three are one. Glory to God. I said glory to God. So that means what was going on was that God, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, in his spirit essence, became man, hallelujah, satisfied the conditions, hallelujah, that was necessary, amen, to Pay the price according to the law of Moses for the redemption of mankind so that when men read the scriptures, they can understand by scriptures that this is the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. This is the sin offering that shed his blood for our redemption so we can have faith. Praise God. I said, praise God. So Jesus fulfilled all that was written of him so that when we read what was written of him, we will believe based on what was what? Written of him that he fulfilled. Hallelujah. And God has made this man Jesus, the God-man, King of kings and Lord of lords, that we may know and recognize that this is the one that he promised. And this is the salvation that he promised. And this is the redemption that he promised. And this is the eternal life that he's promised. That if any man embraces this Jesus, he has what God has promised. The spirit within, eternal life, salvation. Hallelujah. Well, let's go on. He said, and I put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Everybody, what do you have after that? He said, which is what? His body, the fullness of him that filleth what? Now, Paul now zooms in. Next verse. Paul now zooms in to talk about who? The church. Are you seeing this? Because he says we are, he gave all that authority to the church. We are the fullness of him that fills him all in all. He now wants to now zoom in to tell us who we are. Are you following? Because we are who we are because of him. So all he did, he did for us. All we have or all he did for us we have in him. Say this with me. Holy deed. He did for me. 
All I have, I have in him. Yeah. So he says, and you had he quickened. Now, the word quickened is to make alive. Right? Is to make alive. He said, and you had he quickened. Now, now remember, if we are made alive, it means we were dead. Are you with me? Now, if we were dead, it means we were raised from the dead. So, and you had he quickened, who were dead in sins is the same thing as saying, and you were raised. Are you following? All right. From the dead toward to life. Same thing. Praise the Lord. So what Paul is now saying is that that which God did in Jesus, because you were in Jesus when he did it, amen, he did for you. So he raised Jesus from death, he raised you from death. For a moment, go to Romans chapter 6. Just for a moment. Romans chapter number 6. You know one thing about Bible teaching that sometimes gets me annoyed? Romans 6 from verse 1 is that... <laughs> I've barely touched the surface of my notes. And I promised myself before coming that I must finish these notes. Because next week I need to teach you something else. Because in these four weeks, I must teach you everything. As much as possible. I'm going to try. Amen. So no jokes. Let's just stick to business. What shall we say then? Shall we continue seeing that grace may abound? God forbid. Continue. He says what? How shall we that are what? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer what? How are we dead to sin? We are dead to sin because Jesus is dead to sin. The sin he's talking about there is talking about he was made sin for us. Hallelujah. All right. Our sins were imputed on him, on his body. But the moment he died on the cross, he became what? Dead to the imputation of that sin. Which means you cannot hold a dead man responsible for sins that were imputed on him when he was alive. I don't know if you understand that. Because sin accusation is done on the earth. So it's like this. In the Old Testament, when an animal was brought, all right, for, you know, Passover, the high priest laid his hand on the animal while the animal was alive and confessed the sin of the offerer on that animal. So what happened was that there was an imputation of the sin of the offerer, offerer to the what? The animal. Then after there was that imputation, that animal was now what? Killed. Now, the moment that animal has died, that animal has become what? Free from the imputation. Why? Because he has paid the price for that sin. So the moment Jesus died on that cross, glory to God, he paid the price, glory to God, for our sin. The wages of sin that is death, that sentence of death, he, he, he paid it. So the moment he died, he was now free, hallelujah, from the charge of sin. So when God raised him from the dead, he didn't raise him from the dead as one who had been imputed sin, as one who had sin accused or put to his account. No, because he died. So if he died, he's free. Oh, come on. If he died, he's free. So when he raised him from the dead, he raised him from the dead justified so because he raised him from the dead and we were in him, were identified in him when he died, glory to God, just like the offerer of the sacrifice under the law of Moses, when he, they put the hand 
of the priest and he confessed the sin of the offerer, it meant that the offerer and that animal were one. So in the eyes of God, when that animal died, that man died. He paid the price for his sin, even though he paid it in the animal. Are you following? So when the animal died, who was free of his sin? The man. Are you following? Because the animal died. So he sent in Christ. When Jesus Christ died on that Christ, the Lestatar, boom, it is finished. The sentence of death that followed sin, it had been paid for all men. Are you following? But Jesus went to hell. Stayed there three days. When he rose from the dead, he rose free from any accusation. Eternally. Because the sacrifice on the cross was an eternal payment for the sins, not of just one man, but of all men. Hallelujah. And when he rose from the dead, he rose free, dead to sin, alive to God. I don't know if you are getting this. He says, now, he says, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were what? Baptized into his death. So baptism is union. So when we were baptized into Jesus Christ, when we believed the gospel, we were made one with Jesus. So when he died, we died. When we rose, when he rose, we rose. When he sat at God's right hand, we sat on God's right hand. Amen? Now, so it now says, knowing you know that, huh? next verse, verse 4, now says what? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Are you seeing this? That like as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk, in the new, so why are we walking in newness of life? Because he rose from the dead with a new life. So Paul is saying, adjust your mindsets. Renew your mind to your new identity. You are not the one that died anymore. You are the one that has rose from the dead with a new life. Look at Jesus Christ. Just as he is, so are you in this world. Hallelujah. So in this world, you have a new life. Walk in the newness of that life. Praise God. Because the new life is in you now. So by that you are in Christ Jesus. You don't need to develop it. It was given to you. It was activated in you the moment you got, you got saved. Hallelujah. Go back to Ephesians. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. Is that where we are? We're in Ephesians 1, 2, 1. He said, and you who were dead in, in trespasses, and you are he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So just as Jesus was dead, hallelujah, we were dead. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we were also what? Raised from the dead. Next verse. It now says, wherein in time past he walked according to the cause of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of his obedience, and have a string. Yes, in the loss of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and where by nature the children of right. So that means dead in sins is dead in the flesh. So the activities and the nature of the flesh, that's the region of death he's talking about. Darkness, that's, you know, that's the region of death he's talking about. All right? He said, but God who is rich in mercy 
For his great love where he loved us, verse 5, everybody wants to go, it says what? Even when we were dead in sins, at what? He quickened us together with who? With who? So that is when Christ was quickened, we were quickened. Quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. Verse 6, everybody would want to go, it says what? And at what? Hold on. Quickened us together with Christ. Then, so he quickened us, raised us, then made us seats. So three things he did. Quickened us. Hallelujah. Quickened means resurrection. Raised up is what? Ascension. Then, made us sit together. Is enthronement. So God did three things. He quickened us. He ascended us together. Because that raised us up. Raised us up. Quickened us together. Raised us up. Raised us. He moved us from, all right, the earthly realm. And he caused us to ascend into the heavens. Hallelujah. So, showing that our authority spans beyond just the earth. In that we were moved from the earth and we are made to sit in heavenly places in Christ. So, our territory right now in Christ is heaven and where? Earth. But we operate first and foremost from heaven, not from earth. For the lesser is included in the greater. Are you following? So that means this man in Christ, we function on earth, but from heaven. You, you understand that? You understand that? It will function. What Jesus does now, right now, is that Jesus gets things done on earth from heaven. You understand? Should I explain that? Jesus is in heaven. But he gets things done on earth through men he lives in. He's, he gets those things done on earth through men he lives in. Having gotten all authority, the name that is above every other name, hallelujah, by conquests. So, all he does on earth, he does from what? From heaven. Now, how is he able to do it from heaven? Because in our spirit, in the spirit realm, we are in heaven with him. We are all connected to him by his spirit. So he is able to instruct our spirits. Glory to God. He is able to reveal to our spirits what he wants done. And we, because we have a body on the earth, do those things on the earth via our spirits, which is in heavenly places. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because we are, our spirit is in heavenly places, glory to God. We have rights angels don't have. I, I'm getting ahead of myself. So let me break it down. Let us, we've gone forward. Let's come back and didactically explain this and go to my outline. Are you ready? Okay, good. How many of you have found yourself, you find yourself praying, but it says that you are praying in the darkness. I don't know if you know what I mean. It's like you are praying, but it doesn't sound as though you have an awareness or a consciousness that the person you are praying to is listening to you. 
you are praying, and it looks as though you are screaming into the air and not having a conversation and making a request to somebody. I don't know if you, are, if you, that, you understand what I'm saying. All right. Now, by the time we are done with this series, there will be a change in your consciousness because you will understand that when you are praying, you are taking or carrying out activities in the spirit. Hallelujah. And you are doing that in connection to the king of spirits who is connected to you and who is living in you. Praise God. So when you are praying and praying in the spirit, you are carrying out an activity. Though your body is physically on the earth, you are carrying out an activity in the spirit, in the invisible realm. Hallelujah. Where you are not conversing with angels. No. You are conversing with the God of gods. You are conversing with the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. It is the most intimate thing possible. There is no intimacy higher than it. Sex does not come close to this thing I'm describing. Prayer. Communication in the spirit. No. There is nothing higher than this one. It is the highest form of intimacy possible. An intimacy that the eyes cannot see. Too deep for the physical eyes to understand it, to capture it, to see it. It has to be spiritually designed. Hallelujah. This is what Jesus died for. <laughs> what he died for. That the community with communion between God and man will be so deep so kinetic that even angels may be in the throne room, but they can't see it. They can't understand it. Let's break it down. Authority. Let's define it. Because we've not defined authority. Authority in old times was understood first and foremost from the place of position, a position or an office. The position of an individual within a kingdom determines their authority. The position of an individual within a kingdom determines their authority. Therefore, the word authority, all right, sorry, the word authority in the Greek is exousia. All right, and it refers to power to rule or the right to rule or the right to be obeyed. Power, the right to rule, or the right to be obeyed. That word exousia is communicated or rendered as dominion in Genesis. So if you're looking for that word in Genesis, it's dominion. Dominion. The word dominion is the Hebrew word radar, R-A-D-A-H. Radar. And it means to rule. You know, just like exousia. It appears 27 times in the Old Testament. It appears, it is translated as prevail against. Prevail against. In Lamentations chapter 1 verse 13. It is translated as rule in Isaiah chapter 14 verse 2. And as... Uh, it's as, as rule in Isaiah 14, verse 2, and in Psalm 110 and verse 2. Let's turn to Psalm 110 and verse 2. Psalm 110 and verse 2. Can we read? 
Amen. Are we there? The Lord shall, can we read it one to go? It says what? Rule thou. See that word there, rule thou. Rule is radar. Radar. Same word, dominion used in Genesis chapter 1 and 26. All right? Let's make one. Let him have dominion. Let him have dominion. So the idea of authority and dominion is not a New Testament ideology. It's what God planned from the beginning. You understand? It's what God planned from the beginning. Amen. Now, do, dominion authority, all right, we can expand it to mean the right to rule over, to prevail against an entity. It is also communicated with respect to a given territory. So when you say someone has authority, there is usually a territory in mind, a space. Okay? So that's why in Genesis 1.26, it says, let us make man and let him have dominion. It now says over the fish of the sea, over the beds of the air, over the creeping things that creepeth upon the what? The earth. That's the territory. So dominion always has a domain. So there is a confine within which authority Subsist or authority. So, for example, the governor of Lagos State does not have authority in Ogun State because his territory is where? Lagos. Are you following? Are you following? Exactly. Lagos. Praise the Lord. Lagos. Lagos. Mm -hmm. Did you remember those demons that were cast out on the, the guy in Gadara? Remember that? Notice what they requested. What was their request? Yes. Why did they want to go to the pigs? They didn't want to leave the territory. Do you understand? Because their exercise and their authority was within a prescribed territory. So they didn't want to go outside of it. You understand? So they asked to stay within it. One, I think during the series, I'm going to teach on that and why that is. How is it that they had a territory that they couldn't, they had to stay within? What's that about? Oh, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's continue. Praise God. So if you look at 1 Kings 4.24, that word radar is also used there and it's used in context of a territory. 1 Kings 4.24, look how it says. Quickly. It says what? For he had dominion over all this, the region on this side, the river from Tibsa even to Azza, over all the kings on this side, the river. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? So his rule was limited to a region. Can you see this? Uh -huh. Now you can also look at 1 Kings 5, 16, then Ezekiel 29, 15. So authority or rulership or dominion is a right to rule or prevail against entities within a specified territory. Hallelujah. So what entities do we have authority over? 
Well, this will be judged by our position or office in relation to theirs. So, when you are talking about authority, amen, we have to first of all talk about the one who possesses authority by virtue of answering the question, what office in the kingdom does he sit in? Because the office determines the authority. The governor of Lagos State has authority in Lagos State because the office of the governor is where he does what? He sits in. So the authority conferred on him is a function of the office he is sitting in. Hallelujah. I didn't say standing in because I want to make sure you get it because we are sitting, not standing. Hallelujah. Are you, are you with me? Uh-huh. Good. Now, let's look at this. So what authority, what entities do we have? We've looked at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20. We saw certain things like right hand, amen, then heavenly places, right? Then what? Then far above. Then we saw raised up. Hallelujah. Raised us. Glory to God. Then we've also explained in Christ that though in Ephesians chapter 1, it starts out talking about Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, it goes on to talk about who? Us. Showing you that the church is in Christ. And that which pertains to Christ in his, in his redemptive work and what God did following redemption pertains to who? Us. Praise God. I said, praise God. So Jesus came as a son of man so that son of men can be made sons of God. Hallelujah. So our identity was that when we became as sons of men, and believed on the Son of God, who came as a Son of Man, we became sons of God. He sucked out the humanity and we sucked in his divinity. Praise God. I said, praise God. Now, let's answer some very important questions. Questions like, heavenly places. <laughs> Wait, guys, have you noticed, when you first read heavenly places, did it look as though there were places, you know, plenty seats, you know? Then you were sitting in plenty places or something like that. In fact, the word places does not appear in the originals. The word places does not appear there. So in your, if you have a good King James Bible, places is in italics, right? Go back there, Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse 6. Can we read one to go? It says what? And had raised us up what? Uh-huh. And made us what? Where did he raise up, raise us up from? It means if he raised us up and made us sit. It means where we were was not where we ended. Are you following what I'm saying? So it tells us we were dead. And what did he do for our dead state? He quickened us. Then if he quickened us, where were we after he quickened us? On the earth. Is that correct? Church, is that correct? So after he quickened us, we were made alive on the earth. Then he raised us up. 
So he moved us away from earth to where? Heavenly places. Praise God. Now, that word heavenly, because actually what he's saying there, he raised us up to in heaven. All right, heavenly. The word epuranos, it means heaven. Okay, heaven. All right, it means the word heavenly there is epuranos. It means celestial. Not celestial, celestial. The word celestial actually means not of this earth. Not of this earth. Now, heaven is not a geographical location. In the old time, in the Old Testament, and in the ancient civilization, heaven was not regarded as something that was far away from the earth. Heaven was the supernatural place that men all right, could not see with their eyes. So when they offered sacrifices all right, to the gods, you know, that's the idolatrous ones, they were offering sacrifices to the spirit realm. So in fact, if you watch many of these, um, uh, what do you call it, all this um, you know, drama, you find out that they will say they had visitation from the gods. And that visitation from the gods was spirit entities that appeared to them. And they believed that when they died, they would go and join who? They would join who? The gods. Are you seeing that? So the gods were there with them. Hallelujah. But they were invincible. They were invincible. Okay? So heaven is not talking about one place far, far away. No. Heaven is the realm of the spirits. It's invincible realm. Praise God. But the particular qualification about this heaven that we are referring to in Ephesians chapter 2, we see, is the heaven where the Father dwells. Where the Father is present. The heaven where we have contact with the Father. As you will see. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Uh-huh. Now, all right, look at, let's do a study on the word heaven, Epiranus. All right, it is used to describe the Father, heavenly Father. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14. So, it says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also what? Forgive you. Matthew chapter 6 and 26. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. So that means heavenly is not just a place. It's a place, all right, all right, or a description where there is someone we've come to. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? All right, what makes heavenly heavenly are the beings there. It's not a sparse, an expanse, no. Because heavenly is qualified by the beings there. Okay? So, Matthew 6, 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not neither do they reap, nor gather into bands. Yet your what? Your what? Heavenly Father feedeth them. So, Heavenly Father, all right, Epuranus. So, your Father in heaven, all right, your Father in heaven. So, all right, Matthew 15, 13. Look at Matthew 15, 13. It says what? Let them alone. No? No? But he answered and said, every plant which my what? Heavenly Father has not what? 
shall be what? Rooted. So it is used to describe the Heavenly Father. Now let's look at also what is used to refer in Luke chapter 2, verse 13. It is used to describe angels, spirit beings. So the fact that the entities used to describe, um, heaven is used to describe as spirit beings, is pointing to the fact that the heavenly is the spirit world. I, I don't know if you understand that. It's a realm of the spirit. Hallelujah. It's a realm of the spirit. Because he says, the father, John 4, he said, for God is what? Spirit. And they that worship him, we worship him in what? In spirit and truth. You see that? He worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay? In our boy, boy uh, uh-huh. uh, look at Luke 2, 13. Book of Luke chapter number 2 and verse 13. Look at what it says. And suddenly there was with the angel, you see that? I want you to pay attention to this. Too. An angel appeared to shepherds who watched their flock by night. And it was one angel that was talking to that shepherd. Praise God. But there were other angels there, but those shepherds did not see. I don't know if you understand. He now says, and suddenly, there was what? With the angel. A multitude of the what? Heavenly hosts. Praising God and, are you seeing this? So, it was the spirit realm that was further opened up to them. And they now saw the other angels that were also present with the one that was before them. Are you following what I'm talking about? Yes. So the realm of the spirit is, to see it, it's like God opens a curtain. And you see into it. But it's right there. You are just kept from seeing it. Because if you could see the realm of the spirit, just as you feel the realm of the physical, without the help of the spirit, you may run mad. Let me tell you something. Yes. So have you seen some people that run mad? They will just, you see someone that went to go and do one medicine, one juju, and the person run mad. What's actually going on is this. Why the, the person is mad because the person is actually seeing things they are not authorized to see. When a man begins to look and see into the realm of the spirit, without the aid of the Holy Ghost, madness is very possible. Because his mental status and mental capacity is not structured to undo vision seen into the realm of the spirit without the Holy Ghost being the one enabling the man to see. I don't know if you understand that. So when the Holy Ghost is the one enabling him to see, the Holy Ghost shows him what he, he needs to see. When he does it without authorization, anything is possible. Hallelujah. Anything is possible. Praise the Lord. Hmm. So, heavenly host, that's a Puranus. It is used to describe the vision Paul saw. Heavenly vision, Acts 26, 19. Acts 26, 19. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem and many of... Uh-uh. <laughs> Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto what? Now, notice the heavenly vision was, where was Paul when he saw the vision? He was on earth. Are you seeing that? And he said, a light shone from heaven. That light from heaven is talking about the, it's the realm of the spirit. Praise God. So, 
heaven, your Piranus, is talking about something that is not of the earth, something out of this world. So when he talks about who has raised us and made us sit together in Christ in heavenly places, he's talking about our place in the spirit realm. Our place among spirit beings. Oh, hallelujah. Our place in the spirit realm and our place amongst what? Spirit beings. Which means among spirit beings, which is heavenly, we have a place. Now, it now goes further to describe this place. Because we have been made to sit among spirit beings. Question is, where among them? What rank do we have amongst them? What office do we have amongst them? Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Now, <laughs> go to that Ephesians chapter number one back there. I think where it talks about right hand. Is that a right hand? I think that's Ephesians 1, 17. Let's go 17. Downwards. Is anybody 919 here? <laughs> now, <laughs> it's, it's more important to understand. You see, if you understand authority, you will now understand, you will be, you will be able to better use it. If you don't better use authority, you don't understand it. Now, because authority is first and foremost a spiritual reality. It means that only a man of prayer can walk in authority. Because prayer is a spiritual activity. Amen? In the New Testament, prayer begins in the spirit, not the mind. Prayer is effective in the spirit because the authority wielded in prayer is vested in heavenly places. It's in the spirit. So until a man engages from the spirit, he cannot function in authority. So the man who is not, the man that has not received Christ, the man who is not born again cannot walk in authority. So any man on earth who has this world's goods but does not have Christ is not working in dominion. I don't know if you understand now. So when you hear a lot of people talking about, they are talking about um, the gates and all these rich guys and saying this is kingdom. No, it's not kingdom. That is not kingdom of this. That's kingdom of this world. You understand? Come on, how many of you understand what I'm saying? It's not, that, that's kingdom of this world. The kingdom we are talking about is not of this world. We don't measure the kingdom of our world based on material things. No. Mm -mm. It's from spirit. Does this man have power with God? Does this man have a rank among the angels? No, he doesn't. So he doesn't have authority and he's not working in dominion. He cannot. It's not possible. Dominion is only possible in Christ. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, say that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father God, we give unto you his spirit of wisdom and revelation, not of him. Uh-huh. 18, can we read? It says what? 
the eyes of understanding being enlightened, that he may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of inheritance in the saints. Next verse 19. What is the sinning of his power to us who believe according to working of his mighty power? Uh huh. Which he what? Which he write to Christ when he what? Raised him from what? And set him what? Right hand. Now, question. He said, set him at his own. Okay. So we've said, remember, we said in heavenly places, in Epiranos, who was he used to describe? The Father. And he was used to describe what? Angels. So we know that before man, got there via Christ, two entities were there. We know the Father was there. Praise the Lord. Then we know who was also there. Angels were there. But it now tells us that God raised Jesus, who is a man, who was made a man, and raised him, quickened him, raised him, and brought him to God's who? Right hand. So question is, what does the right hand of God mean? Now, right hand is not talking about right hand side. Right hand in old, in, among the ancients had a meaning. And let's look at it quickly. Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 48. From verse 13. You know, speaking in tongues is actually proof that we are sitting at the right hand. Tongue is more than the sound. Because the Bible says that for Jesus gave the Spirit. All right, no, in John 7, it says, This spake he of the Spirit. That shall be given, that as he shall give, it was not given yet, for Jesus had not yet been what? The glorification of Jesus is the ascension of Jesus and him being seated where? At the right hand. Now, because he's seated at the right hand, from the place he's seated, he is now giving to us the Holy Spirit. Are you seeing that? Now, why is he giving to us the Holy Spirit? He's given to us the Holy Spirit because by faith in him, we are seated where he is seated. So the Holy Spirit that he has, we now have rights to have the same spirit. Now, we having the spirit that he has is proof of our sonship. For only the sons have the spirit. For you are going to know a man whose son he is. By the spirit he carries. We are sons of God because we have the spirit of who? Of God. We have the spirit of God because Jesus, who was a, God became flesh, who was a son of man, has been exalted and made to sit at the right hand of God. So this Jesus, who is God and who is man, all right, is giving the spirit on the authority of the Father, having satisfied all that needed to be satisfied for the redemption of mankind, he's now giving his spirit to all that believe. Showing that those that believe are seated where what is seated. Because only those who are seated where Christ is seated have the spirit that Christ has. 
Angels don't have the spirit that Christ had because they are not seated where he's seated. I don't, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Praise the Lord. Okay, now. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand, toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand, towards Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. Verse 14, everybody read this is what? Mm-hmm. Guiding his hands with him. For Manasseh was what? So the right hand is for who? The firstborn. So, when he's talking about and raise him at the right hand, praise God, the right hand is the seat or the position for the firstborn. Who is the firstborn? The firstborn is the one that had the right of inheritance and the one who had the authority to reign as the father or for the father or in the stead of the father. That's the firstborn. The first one is the executor of the will of the father. The first one was also the one upon all the authority of the father was bestowed. The only one who did not have authority, uh, who the first one did not have authority over was the father himself. So, when Pharaoh made, what is his name? Brought Joseph and raised him to his right hand. What Pharaoh was inadvertently declaring was that he, may, he was making fair, uh, what's his name? Joseph is what? Adopted son. That's why if you check, you now find out that Pharaoh gave and chose a wife. For who? For Joseph. Because by making him his right hand, he was declaring that he is my son. So that is a motif in that just as Joseph was raised from a place of the prison where sin that he did not commit was what? Imputed to him. And he went to prison for the sin he did not commit. When he was raised from that prison, he was raised out of prison to stand and sit at the right hand of the Pharaoh without the sin that was imputed. Are you following? That's a motif. It's a pattern. Repeated through scripture for you to get it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Okay. So, right hand speaks of firstborn. Hallelujah. Speaks of inheritance. Okay. Firstborn. So, all through scripture... Jesus, or you have, you have two terms used to speak of the Messiah. You have seed or son of Abraham. Then you have son of who? Son of who? David. Son of Abraham. Son of what? David. To Abraham, God said, to you and your seed. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 15. I think this message should be heard by everybody in the whole world. What do you guys think? Yeah. I've seen a lot more, a lot of people should hear this. So that's why, usually, after Bible teaching like this, it is your responsibility 
to noise what you have heard abroad far and wide. Praise God. Be passionate and fervent with the message you've heard. Be virulent with its spread. When you contact the truth and you contact the message, virulently spread it. Hallelujah. It's an injustice to a preached word for it to just stay with you. The word of God is contagious. Once you catch it, you're supposed to infect others with it. Do you understand? Do you understand? You're supposed to infect others with it. It never should stay with you. If the word you heard just stayed with you, you never received it. Hallelujah. You never received it. You cannot encounter divine and the word and it stays with you. No, it will come out. Come out of your mouth, come out in your song, come out in your it will come out. You ensure it comes out. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Mm. Now, so I mean, I even seeing now that the gospel is the same to the rich or to the poor. Are you seeing it? It means that if you stand before Dangote, you have a message for him. It's beyond what he owns, his jets, his cars. Those things pale in comparison because that's not the kingdom of God. Are you seeing what I'm saying? If Dangote was under the oppression of devils, there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing. There's nothing you can do about it. He has no stand in the realm of the spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. And look at you. You are judging yourself as small because you, own, you have only 5K in your account. Look at you. Look at you. You are looking down on that brother because he's not wearing Givenchy. Fendi. Look at you. Look at you. Hallelujah. Judging yourself by natural earthly things. You are bigger than that. Look at him and say, You're bigger than that. You're bigger than that. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Uh huh. So, where did I say she open? <laughs> Whoever is on this scripture needs Holy Ghost to. We need to raise this person from darkness into light. Galatians 3, verse 15. <laughs> Now look what he says. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulled or added thereto. Next, 16. Now, to Abraham and his what? Where what? The promises made. He said, not unto seeds as of many, but as of one. And to what? Which is what? So that means when God was talking about Abraham's seed, he wasn't talking about Isaac. He was not talking about the nation of Israel. He was talking to what? To Christ. So the promise that he will be heir of the whole world, the promise of being possessor of heaven and earth. You understand? You understand? So you understand? Was not to Abraham. Or his natural descendant, based to you know the, the Isaac and the nation of Israel. No, it was to Christ. Are you seeing this? But you see, how will we know who the Christ is? In the same way, the promise to David that the seed of David, of thy seed, is that, uh, to thy seed will I give this throne, the throne of David, forever. You know that promise? 
God made to David that you will, your seed shall reign over, you know, seed on this forever. That seed is not Solomon. That's why you can see that shortly after Solomon died, they lost the throne. Because God was never referring to an earthly throne. Uh-uh, no. Praise God. So, the promise of God to Abraham and to David was fulfilled in who? Christ. Because Christ is the seed of Abraham and the seed of what? David. is the seed of Abraham, all right, as regarding the covenant. is the seed of David as regarding what? Kingship. Kingship. So, when Jesus is now made to sit at the right hand of the Father, what that is saying is that this is who? The seed that was promised. The seed of Abraham and the seed of what? Of David. That I promised the throne. That I promised rulership. That I said the scepter shall not depart from what? From Judah. Hallelujah. For Judah is a what? Lawgiver. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So in Christ Jesus, all of those prophetic words are what? Fulfilled. Hallelujah. So he's seated at God's right hand, meaning he's the firstborn. Hallelujah. Colossians 1.18, he's the firstborn from what? From the dead. Firstborn. So if he's, he's the firstborn, he owns all things. If he's the firstborn, then he's the heir. Hallelujah. Is the heir of all things. Kleronomos. It means he is possessor of all things. All that the father promised Abraham. All that the father promised what? David. Who does he belong to? Jesus. Amen. Amen. Ha. So now, he now says, you are complete in who? In him. So that means all that Christ has by virtue of the promise fulfilled, we have. Why? We are where? In him. That's why you find in the Pauline epistles, it is in Christ. If any man be in Christ, then you now hear things like through him we have. Through him. By access through him we have. By grace are ye saved through faith. You see that? Through him, through him, in him, in him. Because we have it in him. Now listen, remember we said that in the heavens or in the heavenly, you have the Father and you have angels. Now Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Now don't imagine that there is the Father here and Jesus is seated at the right hand. Right hand there speaks of, let me even show you. Right hand there thinks about the place of power. That's what it means. Look at Exodus 15, 6. Exodus 15, 6. What does it say? Exodus 15, 6 says what? Uh, Thy right hand, O Lord, is become what? Glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, are dust in pieces what? The enemy. The right hand is a person. <laughs> Amen. Exodus 15, 12. 
Thou stretchest out thy right hand. The earth swallowed them. Power. All right. Psalm 16, verse 10 and 11. Psalm 16, verse 10 and 11. What does he say? For thou will not leave my soul in hell. This is Jesus talking. Psalm 16 is a messianic psalm. A messianic psalm is a psalm uttered by the Spirit, but speaking about the Messiah in future. Praise God. Praise God. All right? Amen. All right? He said, For thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. 11. Now everybody read. He says what? Thou will show me the path of what? Life. Uh-huh. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The right hand is the place of ascension, the place of resurrection. Praise God. All right, Psalm 20 and verse 6. The right hand is a place of salvation. All right. It says, now know I that the Lord saveth is anointed. Who is his anointed? Jesus, the Messiah. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his word. So, how do we know that Jesus is the Messiah? Because God rose him from the dead. God showed that Jesus Christ is the seed of Abraham and the seed of David because he rose him from the dead. Hallelujah. Because he rose him from the dead, we know that that one that rose from the dead, after dying for all mankind, that is what? That is what? The Messiah. For the Messiah is known in that he is raised from the dead by the Father. Praise God. Just as Jonah was swallowed by the belly of the whale, and after three days he was vomited, the belly of the whale typified hell. Hallelujah. The belly of the whale typified what? Death. So after three days, Jonah was what? Vomited. So also, after three days, the earth vomited Jesus. Hallelujah. I said, praise God. Now, we said all that. Now, amongst the angels, the principalities and powers, we have God. I've showed you this several times, right? Look at Psalm 82. Psalm 82, from verse 1. Listen, sometimes, converse with your father in tongues. Praise God. Praise God. Let me tell you how you do it. Sometimes, every time, maybe we're praying, and what they're praying, they're making requests. Yes, good. Sometimes, just converse. Just sit down by yourself and talk in tongues. Expecting him to talk back. Just be in that place of consciousness that you are in a conversation. Praise God. Do you know, let me tell you something. Let me tell you about God. Permit me about how I want to describe him. Okay, when I get home now, the moment I get into my house, my, my house is two floors, right? I have my office 
downstairs. So I drop my bag, what I do, I change, have my bath, change into my clothes. Now, Jason has not heard that I'm around, right? Then I go upstairs. I get to the parlor. The moment I get to the parlor, right? If Jason is downstairs, he's going to drop what he's, going, he's doing, and he will say, Daddy! And he runs towards me, right? I catch him. Give me kisses at our school. We start talking. If Sophie sees me, she's going to have that reaction too. She don't seem to say, Daddy, but, ah! Then she starts crawling towards me. That's exactly how God is. When he sees that your consciousness has switched from someone talking to him blindly to someone talking to him in faith, knowing that he's right there, hearing what you are saying. And you understand? Yes. Because he's in a hurry to fellowship with you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's giddy with excitement talking with you. That's what I found. Hallelujah. Go and read your Bible. Jesus is a visible manifestation of the visible God. Notice that for hours on end, Jesus was answering questions. He once had a meeting where the plan was for one day. But as he was teaching and they were asking his questions, day one, day two, day three, he had an unplanned three-day teaching seminar. Because he loves to talk with men. Praise God. He came into Lazarus' house. Mary and Martha, you know. Then, is it a Martha that was cooking? Mary sat down with Jesus and was asking what? Questions. Jesus preferred the questioning of Mary to the food preparation of Martha. Because he is hungry for fellowship. He is, he is hungry to be revealed. He wants to reveal himself. He wants men to know him. He doesn't want to hide himself. He wants to pour out himself. He wants you to know who he is. Now, look at Psalm 82. Can we read? It says, God standed in the congregation of the mighty. The word mighty, there's gibor. Oh, glory to God. Amen. When I say, when I, when, when I see mighty and I go gibor, there's a reason why. Because it reminds me of visions of angels I've seen. There is nothing else I can use to describe them than mighty, mighty guys. These guys are mighty guys. So when he says, God standard in the congregation of the mighty, the gibbons, these guys are not, these are mighty beings. The prophet calls spirit beings other than God, mighty. God created these beings and they are, he calls them mighty. Then he now says, he judged among what? The gods. The word gods here is Elohim. So these are divine beings. They are spirit beings. They are supernatural beings. Psalm 82 is not talking about men. <laughs> you know, that John 10, 34, where it says, yeah, gods. He's not talking about men. He's talking about spirit beings. Spirit beings, that's the subject matter. Praise God. Spirit beings. He said, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judged among the Elohims. Elohim, spirit beings. So he's judging spirit beings. Which means these spirit beings have done something that is wrong, right? Right? Now, he says, how long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Are you seeing this? So these spirit beings, 
all right, were in governmental positions, but they allowed wickedness to persist and is questioning them. But that's not where I'm going. Where I'm going is that verse 1. He said, God standard in the congregation of the what? Of the mighty. The word congregation in the Hebrew means council. It means what? It means council. By inference, it's referring to a governmental council. A council or committee that sits to discuss and decide. That's what that word is. For example, in the natural parlance, the elders of Israel, they sit and they decide. So that is why, if you check, he's querying them on their decisions. Saying, why did you allow wicked people to continue doing wicked things? You sat in council and you allowed it to continue. Are you following what I'm talking about? So that's why I said, council of the mighty. He judged amongst the Elohims. Hallelujah. Now, do we have examples of this? Well, in Job, we find in Job chapter 1, we find that there's an introduction in the realm of the spirit where the Bible says there was a time God met with sons of God and Satan came amongst them. So, they came, and if you listen and read that story, you find that a man's matter was discussed and decided. In Job 1. My line is not there. Uh Then, you now also find out in the book of Daniel, where the Bible talks about the judgment of Nebuchadnezzar, it says that this matter has been determined by what? The watchers. These are spirit beings. So the spirit beings met, decided Nebuchadnezzar's fate, and sentenced him. Are you following? So spirit being, congregation of the mighty, was God and spirit beings. Amen. So when the Bible now talks about, because remember we talk about heavenly places, the spirit realm. Who are the two people we said were present in that spirit realm? Angels, spirit beings, and who? And God. I mean, remember the Bible talks about that we are going, know you not that you shall judge angels? Huh? 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 So if we are going to judge angels, and Psalm 82 talks about God judged among the gods, it means that in that council, for us to have authority to judge angels, it means we are seated in the same place. Amen. We are not God, though. Before you get me wrong. We are, I'm talking about the office. The office, the seat in that council. So what God has done, why Paul calls it grace and mercy? Because people don't understand. This is beyond that your sins were forgiven. It's beyond it. It's beyond forgiveness of sins. What he's saying is that God highly exalted Jesus, made him the name as a name of every name, made him to sit at the head. Correct hand means head, place of power and authority. Made him to sit at the head of the congregation of the mighty. And he is far above principalities and what? And powers. Principalities and powers is who? Angels. Beings. Both fallen angels and what? Angels and all of them. Spirit beings. He's far above them. So they worship him. Praise God. But he now tells us that he now raised us up together. And made us sit where? In do- so that means we are seated not with Jesus. 
No. We are seated in Jesus. It is why we use his name. To use his name means that when we speak, it is as though he is the one talking. When we give commands, it is as though he is the one giving what? The command. Why can we use his name? Because we are seated where he is seated. Paul looks at this and says, no, this is grace and mercy. There is no way man qualifies. There is nothing you can do that will make you deserving of this, this kind of favor. It is an unmerited favor. For you, who was earthly man, made after the order of earthly Adam, for you now to transit into heavenly places and not just be a member of the congregation, but to sit in the head of the congregation of the mighty. All of them listening to you. All of them coming to learn salvation and redemption. Didn't the Bible talk about angels are coming to learn of the church? Redemption and eternal realities? Do you understand? Because God has even now put his own spirit within this man that he has so placed in Christ Jesus and has put eternal verities and eternal wisdoms that angels have heard here and there about but don't have epignosis about. And caused it to be that at the mouth of these men, these reborn men, these men of the firstborn, these sons of God, angels are learning Bible doctrine. Doctrine they saw play out before their eyes, but never really understood. Paul calls it grace and mercy. Manifold wisdom of God. Hallelujah. So when we rise in the name of Jesus, ah, that is a powerful posture. It's a powerful posture. There is no time you take your place in Christ, in the place of prayer, in the place of worship, where you are not wielding the most potent force available in all the universe. So I dare say that this is the time for us to take our position as we ought to, in the place of prayer, in the place of worship, in the place of consecration, and in the place of ministry. For we have been raised up together, and we sit together with Christ. We sit in him. We are in him for one purpose and one purpose. To serve. I'll end with this. The almighty God, with almighty power, was manifested in frail flesh to serve men. Not to dominate men. Not to rule men but to serve men. Therefore, the greatest manifestation of authority, the greatest manifestation of power is seen in servitude. Is seen in service. For the glory of God was manifested in his service to men. So also, we are seated in Christ, far above all principalities and powers, giving all authority to do the same thing Jesus did. Not to dominate men. Not to oppress men, but to do what? Serve. Have you learned something here today? Have your eyes been further enlightened?
Can we need to put our hands and just begin to bless his name? So when you pray, angels move. For a son of God is praying in the office of the firstborn. When you pray, angels respond. For a son of God is praying in the office of the firstborn. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. All right. Before we close tonight, we're going to package our offerings. Praise God. If you want to give your tithes, all right, package it. Your partnership, package it. All right. If you are still struggling to obey, to give, now is the time to yield. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, we're going to give right now. Everywhere, those of you on Mixer, those of you on YouTube, all right, we're going to give. Can I put the details on the screen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the authority in the name of Jesus has been given to us, and we have the right to expand the territory all right, of the kingdom in the hearts of men everywhere. We will look at that next week and the weeks after that. That all authority in heaven and the earth has been given for the purpose of worldwide evangelism. Praise God. I said praise God. That's why you find us as we have been led and instructed by God, planting churches everywhere. Praise the Lord. I mean, believe me, it would have been better. I would be more, I would be more comfortable if we just had one church. Made it bigger, better, you know, nice, and with the gizmos and all that. We're more comfortable. We're cool. <laughs> but we have to follow what we are instructed to do. Even though many at times it's not convenient, and where many at times there's personal sacrifice. But we have to do what we're called to do. Hallelujah. All right? We have a mandate in the name of Jesus to plant the bloodstained banner of God in every heart. Make sure the gospel, all right, gives prominence. The sound, correct gospel. And teach it the right way. Raise ministers. Disciple many. Hallelujah. So that we can, all right, occupy. Occupy till he comes. We can properly occupy till he comes. So I want to encourage every one of you to give. Giving is an act of worship. It is honor to God. Okay? When we give, we are honoring. Honoring. We are acknowledging the Lord. When we give. So giving is not about rules. It's not about percentages. It's about honor. Hallelujah. Honor. You know, David understood that. David did not give according to percentages. David gave as a manifestation of his honor for God. All right. And for his plans and for his purposes. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Now, remember, everybody... Send in your notes. Amen. Then if you learned something, let us know. Use the hashtag OIKIACC Spirit. OIKIACC Spirit. I'm sure that's the hashtag for us to use. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Also, please remember, uh, first Sunday in the month of March, we are going to be starting OIKIACC Surulere. Amen. 
They are going to meet here. So very soon, you are going to see some modifications to this hall. Hallelujah. Then, in the month of February, we are focusing on relationships and marriage. Hallelujah. And so Pastor Ty will look at it. I'm not, I'm not there. You know, I'm married, you know. Pastor Ty, you know, let me tell you something. See, when I was younger in the ministry, I used to despise relationship and marriage teaching. So we always, people used to call it canal meetings. And I'm sure many people that are spiritual say, give me Holy Ghost, give me fire. What is all this relationship? <laughs> I was younger. I'm older now. <laughs> we need more of those meetings. I'm telling you. Because I have found, you may say, ah, but if he's on fire and knows the Lord, he should love his wife. Well, ah, I used to think that too. I used to think it. I used to think so too. But I found out that sometimes the most spiritual people are not able to understand that part of spirituality is loving their spouse well. Praise the Lord. Some of them are not able to understand that part of spirituality is proposing marriage at the right time. Amen? Yes, they don't understand it. Part of spirituality is also getting a job and earning well. They don't understand it. No, no, no. Part of spirituality is emotional intelligence. They only see spirituality as speaking loud tongues, doing evangelism, and coming to church. Spirituality is beyond that. It's more than that. It affects every area of your life. So that's why I always make every February, at least when they are doing Valentine, we will talk about it. And since we started doing that, I've been seeing marriages crop up here and there. Amen. Even the brothers that we didn't know that God will awaken. God awakened them on time before the sisters were snatched out of their hands by very, very adventurous wolves and foxes. Amen? Praise God. And the Lord kept their inheritance for them. So in this month of February, every brother that the enemy is tying you down, amen, we will release you by the power of wisdom. Amen? And every sister who is being held back from their promised land, like Moses, we shall kick you into it in Jesus' name. Amen. And the truth is this. There are certain things that we will learn. There are some folks, there are some brothers and some sisters that are not married for certain reasons. Amen. Certain reasons. Sometimes it could be like a sister, the moment a guy comes to approach, all of a sudden, the moment that lady doesn't want, all of a sudden, there exists change, transformation, hostility will just come in. Because there's a mindset that says, I will be hostile to him. But if he stays, then he's the one. No, sister, he will leave. Amen. Stop being, you are not Votron. Can you calm down and let the Holy Ghost do his thing? Don't make it. So we look at all those things. Praise God. We look at smiling, being inviting, come to the kingdom. Amen. You know. So we're going to do that for the first Sundays. Then at the last Sunday, I'm announcing this now, we're going to have a singles and married conference where all the branches are coming together. Amen. All we're going to have cocktails. We're going to eat. Amen. And have nice. So on Sunday, February 26th, doors open 2 p.m. for 2 p.m. to 3.30. We're going to have, you know, people getting to know each other. All right. You all other person, get to know this person. This person, get to know this person. Hallelujah. Amen. You get to know people, hallelujah. You don't know what God, what, what can, God can do out of that one, hallelujah. Then we now go to the conference proper from 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have been praying with your eyes closed in February concerning marriage. 
you will pray with your eyes open. Amen, somebody? Amen. Let's take our affirmation. Thank you, my sister. All right, let's take our affirmation. One, two, go. Out of, uh -huh, out of weakness, strength came. I was born of the womb of Rex. Uh-huh. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more messages, kindly search for our Telegram channel using the link t.me slash God has blessed you.